Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 723 with Daniel Harkavy. Daniel's got some excellent perspective, in fact, seven of them, on what it takes to be an effective leader in terms of the issues and questions to cover with the do's and don'ts. You'll learn one, the seven perspectives of effective leaders, two, the critical first step to elevating your leadership, and three, three questions to help you build your compelling vision. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we mentioned, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP723. And here's Daniel's story. Over the past 25 years, Daniel Harkavy has coached thousands of business leaders to peak levels of performance, efficacy, and fulfillment. In 1996, he harnessed his passion for coaching teams and leaders to found Building Champions, where he serves as CEO and executive coach. Today, the company has over 30 employees with a team of 20 executives and leadership coaches who provide guidance to thousands of clients and organizations. His previous best-selling books include Living Forward, a simple framework for prioritizing your self-leadership and becoming a coaching leader, a step-by-step guide to moving from manager to coaching leader. Big thanks to Daniel for sharing his wisdom with us and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, and small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Daniel. Daniel, welcome to How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to our conversation, Pete. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, and I want to kick us off by, by getting right for the good stuff, Daniel. Don't want to risk it. Can you tell us one of the most surprising and fascinating discoveries you've made about leadership, having spent over 25 years coaching business leaders? That's a good question. All right. Yeah, I mean, you, you got a front row seat coaching these folks. Crazy seat. Yeah, crazy. Well, we're going to hear about some of these well, insights from your your book, The Seven Perspectives of Effective Leaders. But uh, yeah, I imagine there must have been a couple of aha moments in which you discovered some patterns like, wow. They're huge. These high performers across the board, they all got this thing going on. Yeah. And I would, I, you know, Pete, it's a great question. I want to start off by saying that they're really comfortable in their own skin and they're humans. Mm-hmm. I remember in my younger years, Pete, uh, I was so intimidated as a result of the privilege I had. I earned some sort of privilege. It was this unmerited favor where if you looked at my CV or my resume, if you looked at accomplishments in previous years, I would have questioned whether or not I would have allowed me into the room to sit as Mm -hmm. an executive coach to this leader. And I find myself in that situation still. I'm 57. I find myself in that situation constantly. But I remember coming to a place and it was mid forties where I just said, you know what? I have a 
a unique gift and the leaders that I get to work with, they're really comfortable with who they are and who they're not. Mm-hmm. And they don't need to fake it. They don't need to act like the smartest person in the room, which is going to lead me to another big aha. And I want to just add value to your listeners. The best leaders, I said this on a podcast just a while ago, the best leaders don't feel the need to have all the right answers. The best leaders feel the need to ask all of the right questions. Mm-hmm. You can tell a man is wise, not by the answers that he gives, but by the questions he asks. They're intentionally curious. There's just this insatiable appetite to learn and to understand so that they can make better decisions. And in so doing, they gain influence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's the premise of my last book. So it was a big one for me. Yeah, that's good. And, and I appreciate that. They know who they are. They know who they're not. And I'm finding, I'm finding more and more in that of that lately, just in terms of like, you know what? Real estate investing? Probably not for me. Yeah. <laughs> good to figure that out. <laughs> it seems really cool. And my hat's off to people, but there's only a very tiny sliver of, of what happens in real estate investing that I, I'm really good at and love. And there's a whole lot of stuff that I'm not so great at. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. Uh, but teaching, oh yeah, game on. Let's do more of that. Well, that's great. What you do is when you figure out which few lanes you've just got a lot of passion for and you seem to win and they create momentum for you in other areas of your life, they're life-giving, stay in those lanes. And then if there are some adjacencies or different lanes that are just interesting to you, don't hold back from trying. You have to try that real estate investing. If there's something in you Mm -hmm. that says, you know, I'm curious, I'm going to try it try it. And don't let failure do anything other than teach you. If you come to a place where it's like, all right, I learned. I learned I don't like that. I learned that that energy is not worth the result. So I'm going to place the energy elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Great. Keep taking risks, but really know where you can make that difference. For you teaching, you get to invest your time into making a difference and elevating thinking and belief and performance of all of those that sit and uh, who have curiosity and a desire to learn. It's great. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. All right. Well, so you you mentioned in your book, The Seven Perspectives of Effective Leaders, a proven framework for improving decisions and increasing your influence. You mentioned the big idea. Could you expand upon it? What's your, your core message or thesis here? Yeah. Leaders' effectiveness is determined by just only just two things your decision-making, and your influence. And I have been having conversations with leaders of organizations here in the U.S., as well as leaders around the globe, and said, just challenge me. Like, tell me I'm wrong. And I've had one in particular who said, no, Daniel, you have to have integrity. It's not just decision-making and influence. And I said, no, no, no. Having integrity is what's required in order for you to be a good leader. Mm -hmm. But if you want to then move from being a good leader to an effective leader, an effective leader, makes fantastic decisions and they have maximum influence because leadership's all about mobilizing a group of people, leading them from a place today to a better place tomorrow. So you have to make great decisions in order to create strategies and to align yourself with the right people and then to empower those people, equip those people and allow those people to do what they need to be doing, which is where influence comes into play. Mm Mm-hmm. So I take leadership, which is a huge topic, and I just say, hey, here's the kind of the connect the dots and let's make it easy. Decision-making and influence. So how do you elevate your decision-making and your influence? That's where the seven perspectives come in. 
Well, well, yes, I was indeed just about to ask that. And so you made a distinction there, I guess, integrity, a good leader, as in one who is ethical and moral versus an effective leader, one who gets the job done to bring in folks to this improved destination. Is that kind of the, the contrast you're making there? Well, you can't be an effective leader without being a good leader. So it's almost like the next rung on the ladder. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can be a good leader. You can be a good leader, meaning you're a good person and Mm -hmm. uh, you do good and, and maybe people like you and you're respected, but to be truly effective, you may be investing a lot of energy and time in areas of the business that are not, they're not leading to the results that you want. Mm -hmm. So how do you continue to fine tune your thinking, belief, and behavior so that you get the best results and you're effective? So in 2014, I was so curious about leadership efficacy that I started doing a lot of intentional observation because at that time I was approaching two decades doing what I was doing. And that was following a decade in business prior to in leadership. And I just wanted to try to make it simple. So these seven perspectives used to be five. And I started using them in organizations and I started to bring executive teams around together for two day retreats to focus on five, which then grew to seven and they became communication and execution models and businesses. So the seven perspectives are current reality, long-term vision, strategic bets, the perspective of the team, the perspective of the customer, their perspective of your role and the perspective of the outsider. If you have intentional curiosity and then you exercise discipline and place time and energy into those seven, really six of the seven, the sixth perspective, your role elevates as does your efficacy. So that's it at a very high level, Pete. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when it comes to the perspectives, I mean, I guess the word perspective means just that, you know, I'm sort of stepping into the shoes or trying on the glasses of, of a different party or view of things. And so that makes sense that when you think about things from each of those seven different perspectives, you see different things. Like, hey, my current reality is this, and maybe there's some things I don't like so much. And then my long-term vision is that, which is different from my current reality. And what my customer thinks is probably, I don't care at all about all those operational things you've got going on behind the scenes. Just give me my burrito on time, you know, or or whatever your business is. So I like that just in terms of, of thinking about, Hey, which let's hop into a different perspective and and see what bubbles up. So once I know the perspectives, uh, what do I do with them to get better at decision-making and influencing? Yeah. Well, knowing the perspectives does you jack. All right. Doing the seven perspectives is where you see the meter move. Yeah. How do I do a perspective? You allocate time. Okay. You allocate time. There's probably some principles, Pete, that have to be unpacked. You know, one principle is that better humans make for better leaders. So a leader's job is to surround himself with really good humans who are both wicked smart and have high potential. When you as a leader do that, well, then you actually know that the people around you are the best ones to make the majority of the decisions. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is a great leader is really curious. In current reality, perspective one, you're spending time understanding the mechanics of the business. There's this old saying that's probably before your time, but you may have heard it. You know, you've heard the ivory tower leader. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Yeah. Where's that come from? What's an ivory tower leader, Pete? Well, the, the idea is it's, it's someone who is 
aloft, removed from the the day-to-day kind of operational realities of how things really are, and instead up in a, a fancy ivory tower, just thinking, pontificating, and and sharing theoretically how things ought to be. That's kind of the picture that comes to mind. Man, you're spot on, my man. So think about working in an organization where you have an hour to ivory tower leader. Is that leader making decisions that are leading to great results? And do those that are several rungs below in the organization, is that leader winning influence? No, you know, as I chuckled, I was thinking, it was like, no, but I hope they're writing good pieces for the Harvard Business Review that are getting us uh, credibility and and uh, leads. <laughs> exactly. It's like, that's about all I can hope for from the ivory tower leader is some thought leadership and PR. And you know what? You get great case studies. You do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I say current reality is your starting point mm-hmm. because you get it. If you don't have both feet firmly planted in current reality, if you don't understand the operational realities, the levers to pull, the inputs to look at, if you don't understand the mechanics of the business, well, then you impede your ability to make great decisions because you don't understand what it's like to do the business today. And then as a result of that, you lose influence. So perspective one is foundation, both feet firmly planted. Mm -hmm. You don't have that. Okay. Starting point on your Waze GPS or your Google Maps is it's screwed up. So good luck getting to a better tomorrow. You're lost already. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so we got to get a really clear picture on, on what is current reality. And I think I recall from, was it the book 1776? That was like a theme that came to over and over again. George Washington's greatest strength was that he saw reality as it was, as opposed to how he would like it to be. Yeah. He really hammered that thesis home. Yeah. And so, so how do we get there? We talk to people, any sort of key questions or activities that help us get a, a real clear, true picture of the actual current reality? Yeah, we understand the historical. We know which reports to look at. We know which dashboard. We know the content of the dashboard. We understand what the plans are for the year ahead. That's all part of current reality. And then we invest time in some of the other perspectives which help to inform current reality. So let's camp on that current reality. And I will tell you the best leaders spend time where they're looking at the health of the business. They do a report review. They do a dashboard review. Depending upon the health of the business, that can be hour by hour if in crisis, and I've been there before, or if the business is running really, really well, it's weekly or monthly, depending upon where you are in the business. But you understand you never get away from the workings of the business. The best CEOs, Pete, I don't care if they're like 70,000 employees. They're still spending time on the front lines. They're in the factory. They're in the restaurant. They're in the hospital room floor. They're in where the product or service is being experienced. Mm -hmm. And it's so important, Pete, that perspective is actually the perspective when you're on the floor and you're in the restaurant, when you're in the factory, there's a few things you're looking for and you're gaining perspective from the team and from the customer. And I used to have all of that combined into one perspective. And I was like, no, it's so important that you need to parse it out. So it went from five perspectives to seven. And one of the reasons it went from five to seven was because I added the perspective of the customer. All of that informs current reality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so then in terms of the seven perspectives, I mean, so, so knowing them and, and saying that you want to get a, a clear view of each of them is swell. I'd love it in terms of hanging out where the, the product or service is experienced is, is great for getting a view of what's the, the true current reality spending some time getting up in there and, and not uh, hanging out far away in an ivory tower are great. I'm curious if, if there are any particular 
all-time fave approaches that tend to yield boatloads of insight and surprise for folks. Like I think, I think walking around talking to people is wise and should be done and is often not. So I mean, it's valuable just to remind people to go ahead and do that. What are some things that that really open eyes. Is it a survey or is it a demo? Is it is it being an undercover boss <laughs> like the reality TV show? What are some of the, I guess, research approaches that it really illuminate these perspectives super well? So there's not a, a one instrument or process response for all of the different perspectives. They all require different energy, different discipline, different time. So, you know, you use, you say, say a survey or an undercover boss. If you want the perspective of the team, the best leaders place such a high value in meeting with the team. You don't need to overcomplicate it. You know, one of the guys in the book is Frank Blake and Frank Blake's the non-executive chairman of Delta Airlines. He was the CEO of Home Depot for eight years and he's part of our round table. We do a CEO round table and probably let's just call it July of last year. Yeah, probably either July or September. Frank serves as non-exec chair for Delta, but plus he serves for several other on other boards. And what he was realizing as he was talking to executive teams was that the leaders, when the pandemic first started, were doing a great job with a, a megaphone. This is what's happening. This is where we're headed. This is vision they were reporting out. Mm-hmm. But with everyone going home, what was being missed was the one-on-one conversations that would take place over a lunch break. Or, hey, let's go for a walk. Or we have scheduled one-on-ones in the office. That was being missed. So Frank was with this other group of CEOs, a group of our clients and peers. And he said, you guys, I'm having people over to my house, executive team members for Delta and other organizations that I serve on. I'm having them over on my porch for tea. Mm -hmm. If you want the perspective of the team, you have people over, sit outside in today's times, and you have tea. This stuff may seem simple, but I'm talking to you about Fortune 1 companies and where are the pain points. Relationship is what's suffered. And looking somebody in the eyes and going, hey, how you doing? What's going on? What do you need to win? What are you seeing that I need to see? There's no instrument that will help you to see what's not being said or to hear what's not being said in the conversation. So this one-on-one piece is the most effective. Now you use surveys to help guide your questions. Surveys are fantastic, but you don't stop. That's for the perspective of the team. And then you look at the perspective of the customer. I think of Martin Dom, who's the chairman of Daimler and Martin again in the book, client for seven, eight years. Martin and his organization or Tim Tosopoulos and his organization over at Chick-fil-A, two radically different businesses. Mercedes-Benz, Daimler, trucks and buses, the largest organization in that space in the world. Market share is more than 40%. Chick-fil-A, they outperform their restaurant-type peers in ridiculous ways. Their leaders spend time in the restaurants or in the trucks with the drivers talking to the customer or in the restaurant with the people eating the food talking to the customer. So you can look at surveys and you can, you can glean insights. But the best leaders are sitting down with the customer saying, what's it like to do business with us? What do you like? What don't you like? What would you like us to add? What would you like us to take away? What works well? What doesn't? What would cause you to leave us and go to a competitor? They just ask really great questions, but they invest the time. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Well, I'm curious then, as I think about the, the seven perspectives, 
strategic bets seems to stand out in terms of its like current reality, the customer, the role, the outsider, the team. I hear like, oh yeah, those are perspectives. How do I take the perspective of the strategic bet? All right. So the perspective of the strategic bet is perspective three, and it comes after perspective two, which is vision. See, perspective one, current reality, allows you to manage the business, but that doesn't guarantee leadership efficacy. You're managing well if you understand current reality. Vision has to be clear and compelling. You and your team need to see a better tomorrow if you're going to engage the heads and the hearts of your people. So you have to see a better tomorrow. And if you have that perspective to long-term vision, then you create a gap from where we are today in 2021 to where we'd like to be in 2025 or 2030. That gap is where you build strategy. 75% of organizations fail in execution of strategy because they don't have the right starting point, current reality. They lack the resources, whether that be people, time, money, expertise, or they lack that strong anchor of long-term vision so that when the going gets tough, they don't stick with it. If you've got current reality and you have long-term vision, then there's a higher probability of you picking the right strategic bets that will move you from current reality to that long-term vision. Mm -hmm. So strategic bets are strategies that are grounded in current reality and anchored in long-term vision. Good. You've got your two waypoints on your GPS. Then those strategic bets, you can't have too many of them or the risk of failure is great. The strategic bets are the result of the team giving input, understanding what the customer needs, those other perspectives, and you stack the odds in your favor so the bets pay off. You make sure you've got the resource. You make sure you've got the leader. You make sure you've got the team. You make sure you have the right people and the rhythms. You set the gates so you know whether you're on track to hit the destination or off track. Then you pivot and you adjust. They're not guarantees. They're dynamic. Then you know when to kill them. Some bets just need to, you know, know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Sometimes you just let them go. But if you win on two or three over a long period of time, they can change the game for your business. Mm-hmm. but they're not guarantees. So. Okay. Okay. Well, then I'm curious, could you maybe give us a story in which you, we, we tie it all together in terms of there is a leader who apparently didn't have the, the fullest picture on one or more of the perspectives and he or she did some things to, to get that perspective and what unfolded. So I can think of a gentleman by the name of Hartmut Schick. Hartmut Schick works for Daimler Trucks Asia. He's the CEO. And one of my fellow CEO mentors on my Building Champions team, Tom Brewer, and I did a two-day retreat with them. And we've been doing executive team work with the organization in their different opcoms, their different leadership teams around the world for seven years. But he was newer to doing it with his team. He served at the board level, which I had worked with for a while. But when we did it with his team in Tokyo, What we did was we structured two days to look at the overall business from the first five perspectives, current reality all the way through the customer. Then we had a session around how that impacts your role. Tom and I were the outsiders that spoke into, questioned, and challenged. At the end of two days, they said it was the most effective meeting they'd had. And then what he did was he communicated throughout the entire organization, thousands of people, as to what the leadership team, their opcom had been through and how they saw the business. So he architected all of his communication from that point forward, all of their meetings from that point forward around 
the different perspectives. It takes the complicated and it makes it simple. Mm -hmm. Because if you talk about a matrixed organization that's global, that gets parts from Detroit, that has manufacturing in South Africa, that is relying on chips coming from India, that has the frames built in Germany, that is delivering a product that is going to be driven in the streets of Sapporo with a customer base that can be everywhere. It's so complicated. What you do is you take that complicated and you put it into thinking buckets or perspectives, and it helps everybody to think better, which is a leader's greatest responsibility. So Hartmut's just one where I was so pleased because it was pretty neat to see years ago them adopt the model, the framework, then send the notes out to the entire organization around it, and now leading the organization as they do all of their exec retreats where they focus on each of the primary five with the help of the seventh, and it impacts their role so they know how to function quarter by quarter. Mm-hmm. And so I'm intrigued with, so most effective meeting ever. That's awesome. Great job. <laughs> and having the, the seven perspectives enables some, some more simplicity and clarity as opposed to, uh, I'm just kind of confused and overwhelmed by, by all this stuff. Could you maybe dig in a little bit in terms of, and and we we can protect their confidentiality and use another example if you want to, but I would love it if you could give us a demonstration before our eyes to see, oh yeah, sure enough, I was kind of stuck and fuzzy and in a realm of complexity before I kind of segmented it into some perspectives. And now I see how, yeah, that's a lot easier. Every organization when you look at how their executive team and then the teams that move through the organization as you move down, if you look at their meeting notes and agendas, the agendas for their meetings, and then you look at the output of their meetings, you'll see for most a lot of frustration. And the reason for the frustration is because there's too much on the agenda for the time, or the agenda items aren't the right agenda items where there's not the right information or clarity around what we're supposed to be doing in those meetings. So what will happen often is people, they don't think in parallel. There's a book that I would recommend to you, Pete, if you haven't read it, and to your listeners, if they're interested in how to help people think better. And it is The Six Thinking Hats by Edward de Bono. Oh, yes. Parallel thinking. Awesome, right? You Mm -hmm. say yes because you know him or know of his work, right? awesome. Well, his whole deal is get people to think in parallel. So how the seven perspectives helps is you label what we're going to talk about for the first 45 minutes. What we're going to do is we're going to do an update on the current reality of the business. What are the key metrics that we need to be looking at so that everybody in the organization gets up to speed? The accountants don't see the same things that the salespeople see. The marketers don't see the same things that supply chain sees. The CTOs don't see the same things that the customer experience people see. So when you're going to bring people together, you need to elevate awareness so they're all seeing it and thinking it, right? Because they're responsible for the global success, the organizational success, not just their department. You with me? Mm -hmm. Current reality gets us on that level playing field. So everyone understands, even though I'm the CFO, I need to understand what's happening on the customer front. Even though I'm marketing, I need to understand what's happening on the technology front. Even though I'm technology, I need to understand what's happening on the customer experience front. So we spend time getting everybody to current reality starting point on the GPS. Everybody have all the white hat, all the information you need to have? Good. That will inform the next conversation. We talk vision. All right, this is where we're still headed. 
Are we messaging it correctly? Does everybody on the team understand how their job is contributing to the bigger picture? Oftentimes people get stuck in their four by four cubicle or in today's times they get stuck in their home office and zoom and they've forgotten that the function they're doing day in and day out Monday through Friday is equating to a greater impact. They just see it as role specific. Okay, cool. So Daniel, that's how we get the picture of current reality. So then tell us how do we go about getting a great understanding of the perspective on long-term vision? And as I've mentioned, you know, you think about, think about the first three perspectives as components to a GPS, right? So if you've got your starting point, that's current reality. Without that destination of having a clear, compelling vision, then it's really difficult for leaders to lead themselves and their teams and their organizations well. And most great leaders have the gift of making the invisible visible. They, they can see who they want the organization to become and how they want the organization to basically serve or function in the future. They don't see it with absolute 2020 clarity, but they see enough to where it's like, all right, that's exciting. So it's compelling. I'll take risk. We as an organization will take risk. It's compelling. And then it's clear. It's got to be clear so that you can build that third component, those strategic bets to move you from where you are to where you want to go. So Pete, we've got a model for how we help organizations and leaders build vision. And if you want me to unpack that, more than happy to. Oh yeah, what are the components there? Yeah, so, so years ago, we said that all teammates, they're spending the majority of their waking hours at this thing called work. And they've got questions, either consciously or subconsciously. And the questions are around these three Bs. We call it 3B vision. What do we belong to? Who are we going to become? And what are we going to build? And if your vision can answer those questions, belonging in today's times being really valuable. And then who are we going to become? Like if I hitch to your wagon, tell me how I grow, we grow, because most people don't go to work and, and just want to be average. They want to win and they want to create something special. So who are we going to become? And then very specifically, what are we going to build? If this thing all works right, and if we sacrifice for another 10 years, five years, 20 years, whatever it may be, what is it that we will have built that will be significant and will make a meaningful difference in the community of the world? And if you can answer those three questions from a vision perspective between you, the leader, and your leadership team, and you really start to build a compelling picture, like I said, you paint something that you can begin repeating over and over again. Well, then you start to engage not only the heads, but the hearts of your people. And then people will actually come together in really healthy ways. And they will be more selfless to pursue a greater purpose, a greater mission, because they want to see that happen. Mm -hmm. Instead of just coming to work today and going, yep, just doing my job. Got to count 17 widgets, counted 17 widgets, built 17 widgets. Oh, well, ho-hum, clock out. Okay. Well, so then when we think about a long-term vision, could you share with us a really excellent articulation of that in terms of the belonging, the becoming, and the building versus a not-so-excellent articulation of that. Yeah, so here's the thing. If I were to show you the building champion's vision, it's about eight pages long because the belong piece is answered by your convictions and the behaviors that go along with those convictions. Those behaviors are what begin to establish guardrails and build culture in an organization. And the second piece of belong is purpose. So what's your organization's purpose? So in the last several weeks, I've been with two organizations 
where one of them being a global organization. We just got back from Germany a couple weeks ago, and they were putting together convictions of the things they'll fight for and then the correlating behaviors. And that exercise takes a day, but when you're done with it, you come away with like five or six convictions and an organization like them, some 20 plus behaviors that they want to hold one another accountable to so that they know how leaders and teammates should behave in order for that culture to be healthy and dynamic. Mm. So for me to share a healthy, you know, or for me to share a good example of that, that's me reading through five or six convictions and a purpose and then 20 some behaviors. And then you move to who are we going to become? And that's paragraph by paragraph. Who are we going to become in the community? Who are we going to become from a technological perspective? Who are we going to become as a team? Who are we going to become in the vertical? Really, what are we going to be known for? And that can just be paragraph by paragraph. The more clear you are in painting that picture, then it's easier to begin executing on tactics and strategies to go there. And then on the final, what are we going to build? That can be just some Herculean compelling ambition. If you, if you studied Collins and Porus years back, they called that the big hairy audacious goal mm-hmm. for Nike. It was crush Adidas. It's something that's so big that everyone's going to work for it. And it's going to probably be a, a career's worth of energy. Okay. So that's me telling you, do you want me to spend 15 minutes and read you through a vision? Well, I think that just understanding that that's what it, it looks like. And if you could maybe share with us some, some links, we'll include in the show notes. Sure. That'd be cool. Yeah. But maybe for now, could you give us an example or two of a conviction and some associated behaviors that flow from them? Oh, you bet. So here's some real good work that was done by uh, one of our clients. They did some work with our team to go through this convictions to behaviors exercise. And this organization is in the financial services industry. And their convictions are integrity, creativity, family, and fun. So let's take creativity. We'll use that one to riff on. They have creativity. We embrace and drive positive change and innovation. This is in in an industry where technology is really transforming and disrupting how people have done work and, and how the consumer interacts with the financial services firm. Now, the behaviors that they've identified are we empower our associates to find creative ways to fix problems quickly in order to meet the needs of our clients, both internal and external. We intentionally create space to brainstorm solutions without judgment and believe that great ideas come from anywhere in the organization. The next is we never stop asking ourselves how we can improve. And the final behavior for creativity is we regularly share ideas and successful processes between departments to spark creative ideas across the company. Mm -hmm. So Pete, you think about an organization where your highest paid leaders come together and usually when it's strategy, they'll spend anywhere from a half day to two days together, anywhere from once a month to every quarter. Those are in your higher performing organizations. And what they will do is they will pregame. So just like an athlete who's getting ready to go out and compete when it's game time, they go through that mental exercise. We've, we've got a competitive rower who's one of our clients. She tells us how she would walk around the boat and the exercises she would do, the breathing, etc. We train corporate athletes to do the same. So when you've got a team that's coming together for a half day, full day, two days, every month or every quarter, we have them pregame by reading these documents, these guiding 
tools that they've used so that their heads and their hearts are ready to engage in productive conversations instead of coming in reactive, answering email, and then moving to the, the crisis de jour. They stay at that higher level. Hmm. Yeah. And reviewing these helps them. Yeah, that's clever in terms of because, you know, as they do that, they're like, oh, I've read this before. And maybe if it's a quarterly or monthly, perhaps many, many times. And yet it's like, ah, and here that elevates me to to a different vantage point. This is what we're up to, what we're doing here, as opposed to the immediate cross off a task for the day. Yeah. It's fascinating if you do any research on kind of brain science or neuroscience with regards to how people transform and elevate behavior, what the brain needs to do is it needs to focus on what matters most. And if it attends to or focuses on what matters most, then it's better equipped to prevent the noise and the distraction but you need a system for working memory. And we humans, the best system we have for working memory is to repeat looking at or listening to something. Mm -hmm. So the more we read this, the more it becomes us, we attend to and then manifest these behaviors because we're reminding ourselves, this is what we did together. This is who we said we would be. This is what we said was most important and how I said I would show up as a highest level servant or leader in the organization. And I have to hold myself accountable to this. And then healthy teams hold one another accountable, not just to the results, but to these behaviors. That's where you see real lift with teams. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Well, Daniel, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. Yeah, I would just say with regards to vision, it's not a one and done, Pete. I mean, your great leaders are reminding their teammates of vision and how everybody's job connects to the purpose or the vision. And they're doing it over and over again. My organization, Building Champions, is now 25 years old. And every single Monday, with the exception of holidays, at 7.30 Pacific time, the entire team comes together on the screen. And we were doing this long before COVID and and all that. We've been coming together on the screen because we've got teammates spread throughout the country. But every Monday, 7.30 a.m. Pacific, for a half an hour, the team comes together. We talk about business at hand. And then we always do a remind on the vision, which is some aspect of it. You have to be the chief reminding officer, as my buddy Pat Lencioni says. So Mm -hmm. it's something you live. It's something you repeat. It's something you're always doing. Lovely. Now, could you share a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Hmm. You know, I, I love one that has really impacted me. And it's just as a result of the privilege of getting to walk side by side with so many humans in my business. And, uh, It's an old Hebrew proverb, uh, scripture, and it says, so teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Pete, the reason I love that is because our heads are so easily deceived. We believe we can always get to what matters most tomorrow. Oh, if I could just get through this one project or through this busy season, then I can give my best to my best. Then I'll attend to my health. Then I'll start to focus more on that partner, spouse, friend, or whatever it may be. And that passage, teach me to number my days because every one of us have a a finite number so that I may gain a heart of wisdom, that conviction, so that I focus more on the here and now and I'm more present, makes me a better human. And, uh, you know, I'm now 57, but that thing 
really became meaningful to me when I was in my young thirties and I lost a couple of friends who were young and I realized, shoot, there's no guarantee of 82 years on this planet. So mm-hmm. it's a guider for me, bud. Thanks for asking. Oh, certainly. And how about a favorite study or experiment or piece of research? Lately, if I were just to show you the books that are here that I've been diving into new and old, it's more of a theme. So the extended mind by uh, Annie Murphy Paul or the new Think Again by Adam Grant or the old Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. And now I just kept, I just jumped into this one. The body keeps the score, brain, mind, and body in the healing of trauma. I'm fascinated by transformation and how our brains work. So that's been the area of extreme interest for me lately. Mm -hmm. And how about a favorite tool? Yeah, this will sound so self-promoting and quite possibly arrogant, but I will tell you that I wrote a book with a co-author and longtime client and friend, Michael Hyatt. I wrote a book in 2016 called Living Forward. Mm-hmm. And it's all about a life planning format, a life planning framework that helps you to figure out who you want to be in all areas of your life. And it has a profound impact on leaders. And the majority of our executive client leaders are all in their 50s. And so many over the last 25 years have said, okay, huge game changer. I wish somebody would have walked me through that in my 20s. So it's such an effective tool that we've just launched a not-for-profit to help America's young adults. It's called SetPath, setpath.org, where we're giving life planning and mentorship gratis to young adults to help them to fight the drift and to bring more intentionality and focus to their lives. That tool or framework is one of the most powerful that I've watched people experience. Cool. And how about a favorite habit? Dating my wife. (laughs) I got a lot of habits, but married for 33 years. We've been in each other's lives for 46. And uh, I got all sorts of crazy addictions, as you can see behind me. Dating my wife's a profitable one. Okay. Is there a key nugget you share that you're really known for and people quote you often? I think a lot of it has to do with a few beliefs that I have. Better humans make for better leaders. Uh, I think I'm known for really instilling that. I think I'm known for being one that listens and does everything I can to instill meaning into conversations so that you felt heard. And then I believe self-leadership always precedes team effectiveness and team effectiveness always precedes organizational impact. So just with the theme of your podcast and uh, what you're, you're hoping to help people with, I would say I have a, a deep belief around that better humans make for better leaders and how you lead yourself is always something you're working on because it impacts how you lead your team and how you lead your team ultimately impacts how you impact the overall organization. So if you can figure out how to make progress in each of those three domains, self, team, and org, what you can be doing to advance and make a greater difference in all three of those, you'll do well. And that is a core belief of, of mine. Mm-hmm. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? buildingchampions.com, setpath.org, and Daniel Harkavy on all of the social channels. As of late, I'm not as active, but I do have a team that's always pumping out content that uh, our collective group puts out there. Everything in the way of podcasts, to blog posts, to thoughts, and you can find us wherever you're doing your social stalking and engagement. Mm -hmm. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah, I do. 
For many of you in those young 30s, you've recently purchased a home. Many of you have made a life commitment decision with a partner or spouse. Some of you are now starting to have little ones crawling up your legs and all around you, and they're fun, and they're crazy, and you're trying to build your careers. The book, Living Forward, I'm going to continue to sell for as long as I can because it's all around building a life plan. But you can get the life planning tool for free at Building Champions. costs you nothing. And I would tell you, if you want to figure out how to be awesome at work, you figure out how you can be awesome in life because work's only one aspect of who you are. And the better you're doing and the more value you're adding in all areas of your life, you'll actually be better at work. Absolutely true. So you want to accumulate net worth in all aspects of your life, not just your career and your finances. You want you want to attend to all the areas of your life that bring you happiness and joy. And if you do that intentionally over the long haul, well, then you're just going to be a heck of a better teammate and a better leader. Living Forward, you can check that out. There's a Living Forward book website. You can see it on the Building Champions website. It's wherever you buy books, but you can get the tool for free. All right, Daniel, thank you. This has been a treat. I wish you tons of luck and success in your effective leading. Pete, thanks for allowing me to join you and your tribe. I love your questions. I love your depth. It's been a pleasure getting to know you, and I wish you great success and happy holidays as well. I really love Daniel's perspective uh, associated with the best leaders don't feel the need to have all the right answers. Rather, they feel the need to ask all of the right questions because... I felt that pressure before, like I'm supposed to have all the answers and to just know, wait, 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 no, 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 that's not on me. I don't have to do that. Instead, just make sure I'm asking the right questions. That feels better and gets more good input from people. So again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to Alan's we've referenced are awesome at yourjob.com slash EP723. I hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, Check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 